Hello and welcome to the D&D 420 podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better dungeon master. I'm your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I'm a struggling game master trying to figure out how to tell a better story. Joining me shortly is Jimmy St. James. He is the creator of D&D 420 and an avid D&D fan with over 30 years of experience. In this episode, we get a pretty interesting question from Facebook, of all places. Uh, And it's about how your game evolves as the players play it. And when you get to a sticking point and you're not really sure how to proceed with the way that your players want to continue the game. So we do a lot of questions from Reddit. This one comes from Facebook, believe it or not. Um, and it came across our desk, the D&D 420 desk. Jim, I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Uh, yep. We have a desk. It came over. It. It's a virtual desk. It's a virtual desk. Yes. And um, I decided, I took it upon myself to say, this is something more um, than just your, you know, your your quick and draw fire. Uh, this, this question needs some time and need some explanation. I think it would do us Ooh. good to take that time to take that, those explanations and give it the, um, the prowess that it needs. The attention, which it deserves. Yeah. Okay. A uh, whole so episode, a whole episode of the D and D four twenty podcast. Jim, gonna, you are going to love it. Okay. If, okay. If anybody excited. loves it. You're well, going to love it. I think I know what you've chosen. Cause I see these things too. And there I think I, I might have an idea of what you've chosen. And if I'm right, I'm going to, this is a question I've been asked so many times, but let's hear it. I think I'm, let's hear it. So this comes from Danielle it says, my players have now reached a point in the campaign where the story is going to start getting more political and social mm-hmm. with intrigue and deceptions being fairly prominent in my plot. However, I have no idea how to run that type of game. Mm-hmm. This is um, that's she what was I'm, also yeah. kind enough to include um, the map, which I guess we can we post that we should we could probably post that right just her map. Uh, I'll ask her. We'll put it okay. below if she gives because it is a gorgeous map. It's a that really she's good looking done. map. I'm not gonna lie. It is uh, hand drawn, beautiful. Like um, it's a good looking map. And I'll ask her how to say the name of it too if we do post it because it is a good looking map, um, and I like a good map, so. So that's a, that is a question I've been asked many times. Um, I've I ran a game recently that was very much political intrigue, uh, p- pretty much through and through, called a Grim Harvest. Uh, that's something mm-hmm. that we did on our Twitch channel, which we're gonna have another Twitch starting up again here real soon. So you guys can always check that out if you want to see what the D and D four twenty guild is like when we play D and D. But uh, on so many levels. Um, when we talk about people running political intrigue, my first thought is, why are you doing it in D and D? Because well, the- so that was that was also going to be my first question because it, it she says that as the game has been playing, it's moving towards this. It's moving. That's to interesting. Being more political and social, which in my mind, if your game's not already hinting at, at that or like doing that in the first place how does it move towards being political and social that's a good question i you know i kind of maybe i should have asked danielle to be on with us but um because i it makes me have a ton of questions about her game because i'm thinking that looking at the map this game doesn't take place just in dungeon crawls that the that group doesn't spend a lot of time um 
hemmed up and for encounter after encounter after encounter, short rest, short rest, long rest, short rest, short rest, right. long rest, encounters, encounters, encounters in between them all. I bet that's not what's happening. So that my games don't run like that either. You know, in the Dungeon Master Guide, it says about six to eight encounters per day between long rests. Whoa. That's not, a lot. Not in my game. Sorry. I am... We do a lot of political. We do a lot of RP. So so um, you touched on a really good point. Your setting is most important here. And so you're going to be hinting at a lot of this drama already by including different factions that have different motivations that are well spelled out. It's dangerous to want political intrigue in your own homebrew setting if the players don't know it extremely well. They need to know that setting extremely well so that they know who these factions are and they're intimate with these factions they've had experience they're intimate with what their motivations might be what their plans might be things that they might have done in the past um otherwise why do we care you know so you need to make them care a ton about these factions that are having the the politics so that we can set the intrigue into motion so it sounds like I think that that's what she's saying when, when Danielle says um, moving toward that. I think that she's probably doing some of that naturally and can feel it coming on. I think a good DM would. Um, if, if you're not Danielle and you have your game isn't moving toward political intrigue, so for all of our listeners, if you want to use a pre-existing setting that you've played in a ton with your players, that's the best way to move into a political intrigue game. It's Which I guess we should have said that beforehand. Like, what is considered a political intrigue game when it comes to D&D? Um, politics. So different factions, having different motivations. Um, intrigue, meaning, um, like she talked about, secrets. And um, those motivations might be unknown to the players or they some of them may be known or that uh there could be deception involved we could be working for a guild who says that they are here to help the poor but they're actually building an underground fighting ring or in moving slaves you know and taking from the poor people that they are trying to help these people you know there could be all kinds of crazy things going on and that's where political intrigue begins in these dark seedy places where lies are being told among different motivations of factions so that would be the short answer what is political intrigue in my opinion for dnd yeah it's basically killing a president and then suddenly there's a conspiracy theory that yep that's one easy way to do it um the reason i said at the very beginning that uh you know why are you doing this in dnd because it's not set up for that it really is not set up for political intrigue, so it makes it very difficult. And that's, I think, why I get so many questions like this. You know, how do you do this in D&D? Because there's nothing in the book that talks about it because none of the stats relate to political intrigue and this type of drama. So we kind of right. have to RP it all day long. It's That is totally an RP thing. And if you're applying it to Dungeons & Dragons, that's about what you got because you only got one or two stats on your sheet that are really like connected to political intrigue, you know, and that's going to be um, deception and, uh, and insight 
<laughs> those two couple of things. You can say stealth and sleight of hand is related and or performance or persuasion, but really stealth and really insight, those are the two stats you're going to be relying on a lot. A lot, lot. Yeah, so that's and okay, so that's that so that's the baseline, but I guess again, I'm still confused as to how you even stumble across this. Because as a DM Oh, I'm sorry, as a GM, we're supposed to say GM now. Um, <laughs> I, I forget, like, of course there's going to be, you know, if you walk into a city, there's going to be some sort of governance. There's going to be some sort of hierarchy, you know, because that's just what happens when you walk into a city. That, to me, I feel like that's a natural thing. But something clearly had piqued the player's interest. And I feel like, like if it's that important, so, you would have thought of it beforehand so i feel at the beginning of this like you kind of already have prep like you already have an idea of like the very basic framework of how to move forward it's the what's the the um like the details is what you're you're you know you're stumbling on so how would you go about taking more of like a grand idea and bringing in the details for a political intrigue um well, I think, I think the biggest thing to do is prioritize, um, and like I've kind of already, I would say alluded to, but said it very plainly, um, it's the factions that matter. So you should be early and often dropping in hints of these factions, affiliations with these factions, um, get them, you know, working together, things like that, have the factions, um, you know, making making themselves known in in the in the players' mind, in the players, in the game in general. So you have to make all these things very well known. Uh, and if you if you do that properly, when when we we prioritize that early in the game, so you're coming in from action. You're coming in for you know what I would consider just like dungeon crawling and just fighting monsters and stuff. And now. Do you want to go 100% into political intrigue? Do you want to do a 50-50? Is there a balance? Well, you do, do have you to be careful, man. You do have to be careful because, again, D&D is not meant for political intrigue, but it is so attractive to go to that as we as we mature in our role-playing and storytelling. Um, if you go too far, what happens is that it's too much like real life because there's the, um, the moral... Uh, uncertainty that comes with political intrigue so in the game a little bit of that is good a lot of it's real life okay so we have to deal with that stuff in real life all the time and we are escaping real life so we can have fun playing D&D but when you get really uh, in with a good group you want your game to be more and more a lot of people talk about realistic I always like to say believable that's going to mean that there's more political intrigue, more drama, more things happening on a very realistic feeling tone. Um, but we don't want to go too far because it can be, it can wear you out. We, when we deal with it in real life, it wears us out, man. Yeah. You know, so dealing with it in the game should be fun. So not too much. Make those, those plots fairly simple because, um, as I was saying a little earlier, uh, when we had our visitor, um, <laughs> it's 
it's got to be broken apart. It can't just always be drama, 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 drama. Because players, they don't work all week long on the game like a dungeon master might, studying notes and all that. It's all fresh sure. in our minds. So if you do a really nice political intrigue game, <clears throat> early on you'll be dropping seeds that hopefully your players are taking notes. And you may even want to say in Session Zero, guys, you might want to take notes or strongly encourage it for those who don't take notes and only write in the margins of their pages uh, names of NPCs and that's it. Um, strongly encourage. But if you go two to three weeks later and you drop those things again, you need to make sure that you're reminding them and that hopefully they've taken notes, even if they have taken notes, even if you have reminded them, even if it is a recurring character, some players may forget. So it's always good to preface these things when they come back up with a little bit of a reminder. But by breaking up the drama, by breaking that all apart and saying, well, if we tie the characters in with this, then maybe they're working on one side or another. Maybe they're doing things in between that matter as well, like fighting. Or, you know, in, um, in the political intrigue game I recently ran, I had the sewers where they could go and slip away for a fight. And the, the, the characters would just go down there, and when you're in the sewers, pretty much everything was game. And they got into a few fights where all they had to do was survive down in the sewers and right. kill and, you know, quote-unquote, gain XP. But when they came back up into the city, it was right back into the drama. So there was a way to break that up to where we're not just always thinking about these heavy, heavy concepts with that ambiguity, that moral ambiguity. In Dungeons & Dragons, we have good and evil for a reason. Chaotic and... Uh, lawful for a reason that's to get rid of all that real life stuff and say you know who the bad guys are you know who to kill when we start to wipe those things away and blur those lines and say pretty much everybody's kind of a good guy or at least thinks they are now we're talking about political intrigue now we're talking about real life drama right now that's and again like I feel like it's when it comes on naturally, which is a terrible thing to say because making the game feel natural is a difficult thing to do. But it's what something that we've talked about in the past where it's like it's that ebb and flow from the GM to listening to what their players are doing and what their players are talking about. You know, do they want to go this way? Do they want to go that way? How, how do they proceed when they walk into this giant building? You know, and playing to however it sounds like they want to play like if they want to go in forceful then it's okay this is a combat scenario or if they want to go in and they're trying to sweet talk the guard to let them in okay so now we're playing intrigue you know having that ear to really listen to what the players want to do is again i feel is one of the most important things oh um, i agree at the end of the day i um, agree and uh you know hopefully with um with this particular person, Danielle, who was asked, hopefully, you know, that's something the players are interested in. And I would even say that if this is a, um, an idea that you've had because you've seen it coming and, and you like it as a DM, I encourage you to talk to your players about it because there are other game systems that work so much better. And I'm going to point back to, you know, I'm going to date myself here, but Vampire the Masquerade back in the 90s, 
that game was written for political intrigue. And there are so many cues in there. If you wanted to go and look at a system that utilizes political intrigue, look at Vampire the Masquerade and the system they have set up for the Camarilla and the Sabbat and all these different vampire factions. They're very well defined, very well thought out, and have natural abrasions between one another. And that's what you want. Those natural, very um, cut and dry interactions, they're obvious. It's obvious why, why someone who is of high society and sophisticated um, and wears very nice clothes and studies the arcane might have a problem with someone who gets fleas and attacks everything on sight and growls. You know, that's, they're very different things. So having those obvious conflicts that make sense, that way you can go beneath the surface and those tropes, those very simple tropes that are uh, against one another, those good and evil sort of things, or not even good and evil, just sophisticated and wild, or whatever the case may be in your world, they're obvious. That way when you do the little things underneath, it gets really messy and really, and it's quick. You don't have to have, all you have to do is have one person in one faction making a deal with another person in another faction, and all of a sudden there's political intrigue. Um, if we were writing a novel, you can go in deep on that and talk about all the intricacies. But for D&D, it's best to keep it a little bit simple um, and only feed it to the players in small doses. That way there's not a hundred things running around in the head. There's just a couple of things that they have to keep track of with lots of different answers. I don't know if that makes sense or if I just... It's all about the breadcrumbs. Just dropping the breadcrumbs. Just dropping breadcrumbs, crumbs here, there, and everywhere. Because you know it could be a mis, it could be a misunderstanding. It could be a, oh, it sounds like they want to do political intrigue, but really they just want to go kill this guy because they can get a big bounty, and he just happens to be a political figure or something. You know, like it. Well, anything's possible. You could always revert back bound to barbarism if you have to. Well, I I like to, in session zero ask my players this is something that i've learned to do and i've only started doing over the past i don't know five years ask my players well no i forget how old i am over the past 10 years um i ask my players what kind of game they want and where they'd like it to take place and what the feel might be and we can do work on that together and if you offer to the players political intrigue i promise you there will be a time they pick it it is probably the most popular thing in my games and all the different games I've told over the years. It's probably the most popular games have always been political intrigue. Yeah. I don't know if you would agree with that as a player, but Well, I mean I'm 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 I would say I'm partial to the political intrigue games. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, it's just um Okay, so do you have um, any examples, resources that we can direct um, GM Danielle to, to kind of give her, to pique her interest or even to kind of guide her more than we have thus far? I think that when doing this, I've already mentioned Vampire the Masquerade. If you have a friend or... um, 
no other game that is more politically based or more intrigue based than Dungeons and Dragons. You know, ask your friends what they think. But look at other systems. I really do think that's important so that you understand how they've set it up. Because um, that's what shaped my game world. When I talk about Vampire the Masquerade, it changed the way I played D&D for the rest of my life so that I could do these very high RP sessions. Totally. Like, how many times have we played a session where we didn't get into any dice rolling you know no oh, yeah it's just Funny. it happens three hours go by and you haven't dropped one die yeah um but other other resources watch documentaries history documentaries if you want to make it realistic and feel gritty and real you can just relabel things with your world um with your world's inner workings with your world's factions you can watch these things that happened during very uh, tumultuous times in history, you know, around the time when Caesar was killed. You can watch anything about that and see all kinds of cool interactions that are happening and just copy and paste into your world, change the names to protect the innocent, um, right. stretch the truth, manipulate it, and before you know it, no one can recognize that it even came from history. But you're going to want to look for those little minutiae that are in there, those little things, and just steal that snippet out and put it into your game. Just little things. Again, don't get too complex. Thanks for listening to this episode of the D&D 420 podcast. For everything D&D 420 related, check out dnd420.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us there on the website and on YouTube at D&D 420. Lastly, as always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by telling another DM about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at D&D 420. We will see you next week.